Hi angels and welcome back to my channel. In today's video, we're doing part five of the Food Revolution Study by John Robbins. Again, my favorite diet book ever written just because it's so objective and neutral and it states the sources from different kinds of quotes and messages that we receive in the media, which I just love. I know I haven't gone through a lot of them, but he separates what's coming from science research, what's coming from you know, the, the cattle industry and the dairy industry and the poultry industry and like all these, you know, they're inhumane, they're cruel, they're incredibly expensive long-term to maintain these like animal product manufacturing facilities. You know, even the way I said that animal product manufacturing facilities, I mean, these are live animals we're talking about exploiting, abusing, traumatizing, sexually abusing, like there's so much that goes into it. You know, these animals are in crammed spaces. There's not enough space for them to breathe and move and eat. And, you know, they end up getting into fights with one another. And it's horrific. If you ever watch any kind of vegan documentaries, I highly recommend it just so you can become aware of what the reality is. And who are these companies who are funding these studies that are contributing to that equal and opposite PhD, you know, that, that John Robbins even talk, talks about, you know, he says for every PhD, there is an equal opposite PhD. And that basically means if you have one person who's well-researched and, and a scientist and he's claiming one thing, there's one person who's going to be claiming the absolute other thing. And again, it just comes from funding. You have to look at who is funding these people. And he's going to go into that further and deeper in this book. But I just wanted to, I just wanted to take a pause and like comment on the comments I've been getting. And do you guys understand? For those of you who are watching and disagreeing with my points, these are not my points. This is not my information. This is not my diet. I didn't create it. I didn't come up with it. I'm just simply a transporter of the message. So please don't get angry at me. I mean, you can, sure, but your anger is misdirected. You've got to turn that inwards, explore what is actually taking you off that bad that you're coming at me in this way. I don't want to get further into it, but let's talk about low carbohydrate diets. So why are so many people drawn to them? Well, on the standard American diet, most people are overweight and unhealthy. They're willing to try anything that promises it's easy and promises improvement, right? And the fad diets, they all kind of call for the same thing. They all call for a reduction in total calories consumed, but primarily simple carbohydrates. And um, I just wanna insert a point here that says, researchers have found that a high intake of whole grains, on the other hand, consistently reduces the risk of cancer, right? So the reason why they recommend well, so, okay, let's talk about this whole panic about sugar. People think sugar and white flour, like processed sugar and white flour, are like the worst things in the world. But you've got to realize when you read the label, there's nothing that's bad in there. There's no chemicals, there's no hormones, there's no steroids, there's, there's nothing in there that's actually detrimental to the human body. And as I've talked before with you guys, you know, the human body runs primarily on carbohydrates. Any kind of carbohydrates, simple as long as they're simple and easy to break down for the body, the complex ones, those are the ones that are like fiber. They end up like, you know, pushing things through your system. That's what helps you feel nice and relieved. 
in the morning when you go to the toilet. Um, but the difference between the two, so researchers say whole grains consistently reduce the risk of cancer. So not white flour, not white sugar, but whole grains. And you've got to ask why that is, right? Whole grains have a lot more nutritional content in them than white flour and sugar do. But you have to recognize that they serve completely different purposes. I use sugar as a dessert, as something to top up my kind of energy with, right? It's like when I want something extra, when I want something nice that's gonna make me feel good and happy, that's when I reach for the sugar. And with flour, I mean, flour is just, it's the most, it's the most satisfying. Honestly, it's the most satisfying of all the carbohydrates. It literally feels like a hug from the inside. And that's, there's nothing bad about that. That's how most vegans eat, right? We eat this processed sugar, this processed flour, and it's not the deadly, scary thing that the, you know, the industries that are against it are pushing on, on us to think about sugar. You know, it's just not true. It's simply not true. Um, so there was a journal of public health that reported on Iowa's women, women's health study that found substantially lower risks of mortality, including mortality from cancer, cardiovascular disease, and other causes for women who eat at least one serving a day from whole grain foods compared to those who ate less. And this is not necessarily trashing sugar and white flour. It's just saying that women who eat more, people who eat more whole grains, people who eat more whole foods, people who eat more vegetables, more Fruits. I don't know why I blinked on that one. I was like thinking bananas, bananas, because I've got bananas there. But mm. all right. Um, and let's go on. It's not necessarily that sugar and white flour is bad. It's just not as nutritionally dense as other plant-based foods are that are that are whole foods. It's just a difference of. I see it as two different purposes, right? One you eat because it's healthy and this is what you're supposed to base your meals around. And it's not that fun. That's the grains and stuff. And then flour and sugar you eat because you actually enjoy it. And it tops you up on that energy, like I was saying. Um, but that's just in my experience, right? In my experience, in the eight, almost nine years I've been vegan. And let's go on. So a percentage of total dietary energy in most traditional diets worldwide accounted for by whole grains is 75 to 80%. So most of the population consumes mostly whole grains, 75 to 85% of the time, 75 to 80% of the people. Um, percentage of total dietary energy and standard American diet accounted for by whole grains, 1%. So you can see the difference. For most people in the world in traditional diets, they consume 75 to 80% of their dietary intake from grains. Whereas in the standard American diet where McDonald's has pushed these burgers on us, the dairy industry pushes dairy on us and tells us that they need to com uh, compose a certain percentage of every single meal of your day, it pushes the whole grains down to 1% of your dietary intake. That's for most standard American diets, right? Um, I thought it was also interesting how he talks about how more than 5,000 schools in the United States have contracts with fast food companies and junk food manufacturers to provide food for their cafeterias and or vending machines. And 
Uh, there's a school district in Colorado actually that requires teachers to push Coca-Cola consumption in classrooms whenever sales fall below contractual obligations, which is again scary, right? They're getting paid to push these products on you. Coca-Cola, I've drank it before. It's not gonna kill you, but I mean, we know that there are a lot of things in, in it that aren't healthy. Like you've ever seen those videos where they like drop a dirty like loony or something in a cup of Coca-Cola and it just like sterilizes it and it comes out like crispy and shiny and perfect. Like imagine what that's doing to your insides. That can't be good. And it's not because of the sugar that it's not good. It's because of the other stuff that's in it. Okay, and then um, the president of Coca-Cola, Donald R. Kiel, practically salivates over the third world countries as a market opportunity. When I think of Indonesia, he says, a country on the Ecuador with 180 million people, a median age of 18, and a Muslim ban on alcohol, he says, I feel I know what heaven looks like. And again, it's just telling you that they're driven by money. They're not driven by health facts. They're not driven by pursuit of health for the majority of the people. They're not interested in spreading the truth. They have no ethical obligation to do so. You have to recognize that these companies that are feeding you animal products are not, and in general, people who are trying to sell you stuff, they're not always selling you something that's healthy and necessary and positive for your health and body. Sometimes it's just to meet their quotas because that's how businesses work. Um, he goes on, and here I was thinking that the idea was to provide all people with safe drinking water, good food to eat, decent housing, clean air, educational opportunities, and the chance for meaningful lives. Again, it's just, it's business. It's just business, baby. You know, it's nothing personal. They don't really care about us. We don't really care about their well-being, but they advertise to us on such a subliminal level that becomes so normal for us to think that this is how everything should be. You know, this is normal. And let's go on. So meat industry. The meat industry in the U.S. spends a good deal of time suggesting and sometimes openly stating that vegetarian and vegan children have poor growth. Not true, not founded. The reality, however, is that there are typically no problems in the growth and development of vegetarian and vegan children who eat varied diets with enough calories and adequate intake of vitamin B12. And then he goes on talking about how uh, B12 basically comes from the earth. It comes from bacteria. We would normally, you know, pre pre-expansion days, pre-city, pre like when there were streams and creeks and things that we could, you know, ponds we would drink out of, like the human race I'm talking about, you know, we would get sufficient B12 from the grooves and the carrots we'd eat because they'd have a little bit of leftover dirt and bacteria in them. And then from the water we drink from the creeks and stuff, like that's where we'd get our B12, which is now just all our food is so much more sterile. And think about it also, if people in the States actually think like only 1% of people are vegan, who are all the B12 vials made for? Who are all those pills and potions? Go down any pharmacy or grocery store, look at how many vitamin A, B, C, D, all through the alphabet, all different kinds. Do you know why those exist? It's not for the vegans. It's for 
everybody else, everybody on that standard American diet, because again, it's a business. It's not something you have to consume for the sake of your health and well-being. It's simply a business and they're just trying to sell you a product. It's the same as these YouTube influencers and Instagram influencers who are all of a sudden in quarantine, especially now for some reason, advertising so many more products that are not necessary. And I've been so disappointed, especially like Fully Raw Christine, I'm just gonna call it out, with that whole line of like, different kinds of potions and things and, and many of which are not healthy you know you've got to really do your research you've got to ask yourself why are you even drawn to this stuff what do you think this is going to fix you know realistically the body manufactures every vitamin omega-3 fat anything that it needs because the only fuel that the body actually produces into energy and consumes as energy to multiply cells to feed cells to whatever it needs to do to feed the brain, every cell in the human body runs on glucose. What is glucose? Glucose is simple sugar, whether it's fructose, sucrose, or glucose. They all get broken down into the same thing, which is glycogen. Some of them just get dissolved earlier, like in your mouth versus in your kidney, and that's the only difference. The body primarily, well, the body prefers to run on exclusively carbohydrates. Although it can survive on protein and fat, as long as those are in limited quantities. If not, you can see what happens. You become overweight, you become unhealthy, you become riddled with disease, right? Like so many of the people we know in our lives. <sighs> Moving on, um, he talks about the, the meat industry insinuates that um, iron deficiency and anemia is more common in vegetarian children. And in fact, vegetarian children show no greater incidence of iron deficiency anemia than any other children. Again, it's just the meat industry in the U.S. is just sharing incorrect information. They're just speculating and stating these opinions that sound like facts when in reality they're not. And it just screws everybody up because everybody, people love hearing good things about their bad habits. That's ultimately what, what it comes down to. If somebody tells you, you know, if Atkins tells you you can eat bacon and eggs for every meal, every day, uh, sausages and beefs and all these things, uh, most people would jump on that, especially men. Like we were talking about in the last video, men between 40 and 50 years old, they love their meat. You know, like this is very appealing, but it's bad advice. It is bad advice. At the end of the day, there's nothing positive that will come out of, I don't care what you're achieving eating three meals of steak every day. A long term, it's not good for you and it's not good advice to share with others. That's what this whole series is about, okay? Um, and then uh, the meat industry also had made this claim that me, um, we must eat, children must eat meat in order to have proper brain development. Consuming two to three servings a day from the meat group. Again, yeah, that's what they're trying to tell you because they're trying to sell you these products and tell you that it's okay if you consume them. It's healthy if you consume them. He says, uh, so two to three servings of meat, of meat a day from the meat group. Oh my God. It is important to achieve cognitive function, he says. Yeah, right. This is, remarkable. this is a remarkable statement, especially when it's compared to the scientific data. According to research published in the Journal of Dietetic Association and elsewhere, the average IQ of US children is 99, while the average IQ of vegetarian US children is 116. 
And keep in mind, average, average is not most common. It's just whatever's in the middle, right? So there are people above, there are people below, but on average, people with vegetarian, children growing up eating vegetarian diets are smarter. Who wouldn't know? Tara Umara Indians. Let's talk about these people because these are, these people are insane. I remember reading a book about them years and years ago before I got into running and it was just super inspiring. So Tara Umara Indians live in Copper Canyon in North Central Mexico. These Native American people are quite possibly the most physically fit people on earth. Their level of endurance is by our standards stupendous. Their favorite pastime is a kind of kickball game that goes on for many days in which men run an average of 200 miles and the women who also play run an average of 100 miles. For days, for days, they play this game, right? That's, mm -mm. I couldn't do that on my bike when I was like the fittest I'd ever been, right? Like how do these people, mm -mm. I don't get it. It's just diet though. So listen, how much heart disease and cancer occurs under uh, among the Terra Umara Indians? None, virtually none. The average cholesterol level of the Terra Umara Indians is 125. And remember, if we go back, I think um, for vegans, it was like 130. For vegetarians, it was like 160. And then meat eaters, it was like 210 average cholesterol levels. And why do you think this is so different for them, for vegans? And Terra Umara Indians in particular, their diet is almost entirely consisted of corn, beans, vegetables, and fruits. And this is... That's the golden way to go. Like this is where I first, in that book about the Terramara Indians was the first time I came across this concept that you can eat just plants and get enough energy and survive and thrive and be healthy and be fit and like do these incredible feats, like a physical accomplishment. It's just, I'm shivering. I'm shivering just thinking about it. I don't know if you guys can see that, but <laughs> super exciting. Um, and then let's talk about McDonald's and how they're advertised as our trusted friend. So my McDonald's campaign, whose goal was to make a customer feel that McDonald's cares about me and knows me. Heart-wrenching. Marketing alliances with the NBA, the Olympics, and Walt Disney Company were developed all intended to create positive feelings about McDonald's ads aimed at minivan parents that would convey that taking your children to mcdonald's is an easy way to feel like a good parent and here all along i had believed that being a good parent had something to do with providing healthy and a healthy environment and loving support for your children and healthy food too is what john robbins says on commenting on the mcdonald's statement and in 2000 the year 2000 the Public Health Institute released a major study that found a third of today's teens could face chronic and debilitating health problems such as diabetes, health, heart disease, and cancer by their mid early 30s. Oh my God, early 30s. <gasps> McDonald's, meanwhile, has built an entire empire hooking young people on foods high in saturated fat, all while seeking to convince you that it's your trusted friend. Friendship is the very opposite of the calculating, self-serving manipulations that underlie the McDonald's marketing campaign. 
Isn't that said beautifully? McDonald's cr cleverly contriving a sophisticated marketing campaign and spending staggering sums to convince you that the corporate giant is your trusted friend while selling you food that undermines your health with nearly every bite. This is again, scientific data. So don't come at me and tell me I'm wrong because this isn't my opinion. This is scientifically documented data. I don't know how else to explain that to you guys, but um, for those of you who are listening, so I, at this point, honestly, those of you who are listening, thank you, I love you, I appreciate you. You guys honestly keep me going. This is really for you. I just wanna share this information so you guys can have it and have it blow your mind just as it did for me because there's so much revolutionary information in here, it's insane. Uh, so I think I'm gonna leave it here for this video. Let me know what you think. Give it a thumbs up if you really like it. Give it a thumbs down if you don't. Your votes are also data for me. I'm looking at how you guys are responding, what you like, what you don't like. So I need to know, right? Give me a thumbs up, thumbs down, or even just a comment in the comment section below. Let me know, do you like this kind of video? Do you not like it? It's all good, whatever you decide to say. Um, I just wanna know if I should keep going with this because it is a really, really long book. We're only on page 89. <laughs> There's all this left to go. Obviously, we're not gonna do the entire thing, but I at least wanna hit on all these major points that you know I've been getting a lot of backlash for and I just feel like it's such important information to share. Like, and not everybody reads, right? Not everybody can access this kind of a book. And not everybody wants to spend the time with a book, but a lot of people just click on videos and have the time. You know, I personally, like even when I'm at work, like I'll just plug my earphones in and just as I'm doing my emails and as I'm doing my sorting of whatever I have to do at work, I'm like also listening to something that, you know, that's what I wanna, that's what I wanna provide. So let me know what you think, thumbs up, thumbs down, and I'll talk to you guys in the next one, bye. Hey guys, and welcome back to my channel. In today's video, we're talking about the food revolution by John Robbins, this is part six. And in the last episode, we kind of ended off talking about McDonald's, how McDonald's was like cleverly contriving a sophisticated marketing campaign, spending st staggering sums to convince you that the corporate giant is your trusted friend while selling you food that undermines your health with nearly every bite. He goes on to talk about how medical science is consistently finding health advantages for diets that incorporate little or no meat. These advantages, by the way, are being found to hold true across cultures, socioeconomic classes, geographical locations, and to be independent of factors such as smoking and exercise. So they're saying irrespective, irregardless of smoking and exercise, eliminating animal products from your diet will just massively increase your health benefits. And so then he goes on how most vegetarians and vegans being studied in the research are eating a significant amount of white flour, white sugar, and other junk foods. Their diets often include, this is more for vegetarians, I guess, but excessive amounts of high fat, high salt cheeses, um, margarine, eggs, ice cream, and butter, not to mention chemicals that are used as artificial colors, flavors, and preservatives. So even though the vegetarians and vegans being studied are still eating primarily these like junk food diets, you can still see how much benefit they get, like how low their cholesterol levels are, how much healthier and how uh, disease free they are compared to people who just consume animal products more, especially like in that particular section it was talking about meat. Um, 
He goes on, at the present time, we can only wonder how great the health outcomes would be for people eating whole foods, high fiber, plant-based diets. We can only imagine because such a human experiment has never been undertaken on such a large scale. There's one thing we do know though, you could eat all the dairy products, eggs, fish, chicken, and red meat in an entire, gross, in an entire grocery store and not get one gram of fiber or complex carbohydrates. And again, that's what our bodies need. That's what our bodies first and foremost need. Before anything else, they need fiber, complex carbs, and simple carbs like sugar. This, These are the three kind of it's the golden trinity of the vegan diet, right? You have to have these th three things in your diet, otherwise you're not gonna be very healthy. Uh, he goes on. Mm. So he talks about how the best diet is one that keeps us healthy and gives us pleasure. It should nurture, nurture our cells, but it should also nurture our spirits by providing us with a variety of delicious culinary delights and connecting us to the seasons, to the earth and to each other. Again, I mean, Nowadays, it's so much easier, right? Every grocery store has so many vegan products and options, and there's all there's all kinds of alternatives for anything you can imagine. Ground beef, um, chicken tenders, there's chicken nuggets, there's a fish mock kind of things. There's all different kinds of pastas with cheeses that are vegan and um, like sausages. There's all kinds of products you can buy nowadays that mimic animal products but don't carry any of the bad things that that the animal products do that obviously affect our health adversely um okay let's go on so heart disease <clears throat> he says incites kills more than a hundred people every hour in the united states he goes on in the in campbell study colin campbell is also a vegan advocate we found a highly significant association between consumption of even small amounts of animal-based foods and the increasing prevalence of heart disease, cancer, and similar diseases. It's just any animal products you consume risk your health. They tax your health. You end up losing long-term, even though you might think this is tastier or healthier. Like People have all kinds of misconceptions about Animal products, just don't let yourself get food, fooled at least. Uh, and then there's the what we know section. So where most of Americans get their information about foods is advertising. The amount spent annually by Kellogg's to promote Frosted Flakes, if you think of all those commercials we see on the TV, you're great, right? $40 million. Do you know how much the dairy industry spends on the milk mustache ads? $190 million. What about McDonald's? 800 million. So Kellogg's is 40 million. The milk mustache is 190 million and the McDonald's ads are 800 million. That's like off the charts. And then the amount spent by the National Cancer Institute promoting fruits and vegetables is only 1 million. So like in contrast, of course, more people think that they need to consume animal products because it's just, it's more advertised. It's more ingrained in our minds from, from everything we see and hear about this stuff, right? But, um, so yeah, cultural shift towards a plant-based whole foods diet would have enormous benefits, less heart disease, fewer cancers, far less obesity, 
Um, it would also mean far more vibrant, thriving, energetic, and creative people. It would mean there would be less of fear of growing old and far fewer families broken apart by the premature deaths of loved ones. For immense numbers of people today, it would be less suffering and more joy. And how can you compete with that, right? I mean, what's... There's no, there's no negative. There's no negative. It's just positive in support of plant-based diets. He talks about how you will keep hearing messages for their messages, these large corporate giants, right, that are pushing animal products on us, for they have enormous advertising budgets and a massive control over our nation's food and agriculture policies. They will keep telling you that there is a controversy over this or that detail and that health experts keep changing their minds and that the bad reputation meat has gotten is undeserved. There will be those who will make great sums writing books telling the public they can eat all the pork rinds and sausage they want and lose weight in the bargain. They will say that there is no need, no need at all, to consume, to reduce your consumption of animal products. Fortunately, even as they speak, they there are quite... Fortunately, even as they speak, there are quiet, clear, and informed voices among us, voices that point in a decidedly different direction, a direction leading to far fewer rates of disease and far more vibrant, healthy, and joy-filled lives. And then he goes on talking about dairy products and calcium. Everybody's so concerned about consuming enough calcium, right? The increased calcium intake from milk will lower the risk of osteoporosis. This is the claim that the Food and Drug Administration makes. Um, that it is safe for African-Americans. And here we have a problem. There's no evidence that increased calcium intake from milk lowers the risk of osteoporosis for males. Uh, Larry King portrayed in the milk mustache ads promoting milk to, the, to lower risk of blood, high blood pressure. What the ads didn't tell you was the FDA has found no evidence that increased milk intake lowers the risk of high blood pressure. What about women? The ads tell us that women will have stronger bones and avoid osteoporosis, but in a 12-year study of nurses involving 78,000 women, which found no evidence at all that higher intakes of milk reduced osteoporosis or bone fracture incidence. In fact, the study found that the relative risk of hip fracture for women who's drank, um, who have been drinking two glasses or more of milk per day was 1.45 times higher than for those who drank one glass or less per week. What about girls? Tracked for a six year uh, period, a group of girls aged 12 to 18. Adolescence is a critical period for bone health because the average female gains 40 to 60% of her skeletal mass during those years. Uh, calcium intake, which ranged from 500 to 1500 milligrams per day, was not associated with hip bone mineral density at age 18 or with total bone, body bone mineral gain. In other words, consistent with previous studies, none of the girls with lower calcium intake had any different bone development than girls with high calcium. Getting that extra calcium made no difference. He goes on talking about how the majority of Hispanic Americans, like Asian Americans, African Americans, and Native Americans, are lactose intolerant and experience gastrointestinal problems from milk. And again, it's just, there's so much misinformation out there. They talk about how, uh, of Asian descent, 90 to 100% of them are lactose intolerant. Native Americans, 95% of them are intolerant. Africans, 65 to 70. Italians, 65 to 70. Hispanics, 50 to 60. And only Caucasian people have the least um, 
gastrointestinal problems from milk, which is actually at 10%. But I mean, you know, that's what I am. And I had a huge intolerance that I just didn't know for the majority of my life. You know, I thought, I don't know. I thought that this is how it's supposed to be. I thought that I was being taught right. I thought I was being fed right by my parents. I get it. They were doing their best with the information that they had and what they knew and what they had been raised on and traditionally grown up with. But the reality is that stuff had a massive devastation on my body. I mean, I was miserable. I was low energy. I was, you know, experiencing all kinds of issues like internal and external. I was, you know, acne. I was overweight. I was very sweaty and stinky and like there's so many negative effects that people get from consuming these animal products and in this case we're talking about dairy in particular so neil bernard a doctor of medicine uh says the ubiquitous milk mustache campaign makes misleading claims about milk preventing osteoporosis lowering blood pressure and enhancing sports performance Research, uh, sorry, recent studies, including the Harvard Nurses Health Study, have shown that milk offers no protection against broken bones. Unlike prescription drug ads, the mustache ads don't reveal that many unwanted side effects of milk, among them increased rate of pros prostate and ovarian cancer, diabetes, obesity, and heart disease. Whew. Also, I mean, keep in mind, this nature's perfect food, milk, dairy, this stuff is intended to grow a 90 pound calf to 450 pounds in one year. I mean, what, how did we ever get to putting this stuff in our body? I get it, you know, uh, Europeans, uh, people of European or Caucasian descent, you know, at, at that place in the world, like you have these harsh winters where you cannot survive, you can't grow stuff for like half the year, nine months out of the year, sometimes depending on how far north you go, even longer. So that's why people relied on these animal products to get by because there was no other source of food, right? There was only so many grains and potatoes and beans and pasta and like things that you could preserve that way. So people were supplementing so they don't starve themselves with animal products, especially this food that's like supposed to fatten up a little cow until it's 40, 450 pounds. I mean, you know, this is going to have adverse effects on our natural bodies and our health. Uh, and he talks about how actually the whole calcium thing, like this misconception we have about calcium, how it's supposed to strengthen our bones, prevent osteoporosis, prevent high blood pressure, like prevent diabetes and heart disease and all these kinds of things. There's, a, there's calcium in other foods besides milk products, and we can meet our daily calcium needs by eating them. Um, it's it's very simple like all almost all plant foods also have some calcium in them like it's not even your body manufactures whatever vitamins minerals it needs fats your body manufactures it all as long as you provide your body with enough carbohydrate calories to be able to sustain all its natural functions you're gonna have no problems um so john robbins goes on talking about um it would be far better idea to exercise regularly, avoid drinking Coke and Pepsi, eat a moderate amount of salt and reduce, if not stop eating meat and other animal protein. You'll feel better, your bones will be stronger and overall your health will improve in many other ways as well. Now I used to get a lot of stress fractures when I was, before I switched to veganism, like I had a lot of cavities and stress fractures, like, okay, part of it, I'll take the blame. It was because I was doing exercises my body wasn't ready for, I was too heavy to go running when I did. So, you know, I ended up, just making things a lot more difficult for myself and what i've learned through the last oh my god like eight years that i've been vegan is 
whatever is easiest for your body, whatever feels the best is generally the best advice to follow. Like it's that simple. So he goes on uh, other factors, especially regular exercise are so important for bone strength and many authorities with sound science behind them deplore today's hyped up calcium mania as harmful distraction. They say, and I believe they are right, that it has diverted attention away from more important issues. He goes on, elderly people with the highest dairy product consumption actually had double the risk of hip fracture compared to those with the lowest consumption. So in fact, calcium from dairy products will adversely affect our bodies, will actually result in lower bone density and health. You know, the absolute opposite of what the dairy industry has been pushing on us as their actual truth for how long? Um, <clears throat> and also keep in mind, this was like written in the early 2000s. How much has changed since then? I mean, the, the main structure that they're recommending, the stuff that they're saying here, it's still true. It still holds true and it's still valid information. Just because it's old doesn't mean it's outdated. It's still correct and it's still valid. <clears throat> so American Journal of Clinical Nutrition found that women who drank the extra cow uh, milk actually lost more calcium from the bones than the control group of women who didn't drink it. We adjusted for all things that could have had an impact on the relationship of a high animal protein intake to bone loss and hip fractures, but they found the relationship was still there. Linking intake of animal protein to bone loss, showing a worse calcium imbalance with increased dairy consumption. I mean, like, facts again facts this stuff is not good for us um and then about soy milk so cow's milk versus soy milk right hmm. they talk about how milk is species specific each species milk is tailor made for its own kind so how on earth did people start drinking milk from cows even adult cows don't drink adult adult cow's milk if we drink cow's milk why stop there why not drink dog's milk or bear's milk funny cheeky <laughs> i love them um, bear's milk aside for the moment, in 2000, the National Milk Producers, Producers Federation tried to keep soy beverages from being sold alongside cow's milk in grocery stores. Um, they also talk about phosphorus, and we get plenty of that in a vegan diet. Um, riboflavin contains, so they say soy milk contains almost, uh, sorry, only about half as much of the nutrients as cow milk, but... Uh, is plentiful in nutritional yeast and green leafy vegetables and it's found in nuts and seeds and whole grains and legumes so getting enough is not a problem for people who drink uh, for eat, if people who eat a variety of healthy foods in fact vegans who consume no dairy product consume as much or nearly as much of this vitamin as lacto ovo vegetarians or non-vegetarians so like we again the body manufactures whatever it needs talks about vitamin a and deficiencies and like any kind of deficiency you can have generally is a result of not consuming enough carbohydrate calories because when you're not providing your body with the energy that it needs, with all the fuel that it needs to, like I said, multiply, divide, and feed all those cells in your body, your body's going to start kind of trimming the edges and seeing where it can save energy and where, you know, it doesn't have to produce as much vitamins and omega-3s and all kinds of things, right? Like, so why even get mixed up in that whole thing in the first place? It's so unnecessary. Sorry, I have to adjust my legs. Oh, 
It was uncomfortable for a bit there. Um, okay, cow's milk provides more than nine times as much saturated fats. Soy beverages provide more than 10 times as much essential fatty acids as a cow's milk, so provide a healthier quality of fat. Soy beverages are cholesterol-free, while cow's milk contains 40 milligrams of cholesterol per cup, which again means that the cow's milk is far worse for your heart and cardiovascular system. Um, soy beverages lower both total and LDL bad cholesterol levels, while cow's milk raises both total and LDL cholesterol levels, providing yet more reasons why soy milk is better for your health. Soy milk, unlike cow's milk, provide substantial amounts of substances known as phytoestrogens, um, which lower both heart disease and cancer risk. And men who consume one or two servings of soy milk per day are 70% less likely to develop prostate cancer than men who don't. Mm, and now this part stopped me in my tracks and I was just like, this is where I think I realized I had to make these videos. So what we know, antibiotics allowed in US cow's milk, 80. Antibiotics found in soy milk, none. Children with chronic constipation, so intractable that it can't be treated successfully by laxatives, who are cured by switching from cow's milk to soy milk, is 44%. An average American's estimate when asked what percentage of adults worldwide do not drink milk is 1%. So average Americans estimate only 1% of the population does not drink cow's milk. And the actual number of adults worldwide who do not drink cow's milk is 65%. Actually, it just says milk. 65%. So again, this goes back to the whole advertising thing we were talking about in the last video where people are so inundated with all these advertisements and all this false information. All this stuff is coming from McDonald's and the beef association and the you know poultry association and the dairy industry. And they're telling us that this is so prevalent. Everybody consumes this stuff when in reality, 65% of the population avoids it. Whether they can't afford it or it's not good for their health and they know that and they feel it, like it doesn't really matter the, the details, but let's go on. So he says his criticism, John Robbins' criticism with the dairy industry for putting out ads that are deceptive and untrue and that trick people and do so quite intentionally into believing that dairy products are necessary for a healthy diet. I don't like to see people misled for commercial purposes. I don't like to see commercials that imply that without dairy products, your bones will surely break. That isn't true as the people in most Asian countries can tell you. They have until very recently consumed little or no dairy products <clears throat> and yet had a much lower incidence of osteoporosis than people in the United States. The reasons their bones are so much stronger than the Americans are several, including that they eat more vegetables, get a lot more exercise, and don't drink nearly the quantity of cola drinks that we do. But a major reason is also that they eat much less animal protein than Americans do, including hardly any dairy products, and their bones are far healthier for it. And again, this is just to say, reducing animal product consumption out of your diet will just increase your health and your positive benefits that you're gonna get from that. So do it. What what do you have to lose? And I know sometimes it can be difficult. Like for me growing up with my family it was very difficult. Like they took it as a huge slap in the face when I said I no longer wanted to 
eat animal products. You know, my mom was so offended. She was like, you think my food is poison? You think it's disgusting? You think I'm trying to kill you with my food? Like, don't you get it? And I was like, look, mom, honestly, with all due respect, I tried it. I ate the way we traditionally ate. You said this would help me maintain the figure that I wanted and I wouldn't gain weight from this kind of food, but in reality, I did and it didn't work because I honestly tried. I did it for like two years, just eating mom's food, everything mom said and mom made and you know everything mom told me and advised me to do. And then just with time, I realized Plants are so much better. I mean, I told you guys before, like I, I got food poisoning twice in a row and it was disgusting. And I, you know, was in the bathroom like the whole night, both times. And it was like only two days apart. It was awful. And from there, I just, I just stopped eating animal products. I just, I no longer had the patience for it. I never ever wanted to experience that kind of food poisoning again in my life. It was horrific. It was, I mean, you know, from, from either end all night long, it was awful. And that's what inspired me so much to, to switch to a vegan diet and then to start exercising and, and figure out what works for my body. And that's what I want to share with you guys. So again, let me know what you think of this video. Give it a thumbs up if you like it. Give it a thumbs down if you don't. Every vote counts. And honestly, it helps me kind of see what you guys are thinking and feeling about these videos, whether you like them or not, whether I should keep making them or do something different. So let me know what you think. And I'll talk to you guys in the next video. Bye. <laughs>